Welcome to this episode of Bob Cooney's VR Deep Dive Podcast. In this series, Bob connects you with some of the leading innovators and thinkers in location-based VR. So esports, what else are you seeing in the esports space that people can sink their teeth into? Well, so with the VR hat on, you've touched on uh, the big investments as well as uh, Springboard VR. They're looking towards quite an extensive esports element, which they've been marrying to the work that they've done with uh, Beat Saber Arcade, which was interesting to yep. see because that, yep. that is Beat Saber. Uh, they ran a tournament in October or November, I think, didn't they? Yep. So we're going to see that. Have you seen, have you seen data from that? I haven't seen any data from that um, as far uh, as repeat I, play I've or got to. Like I'm deep in the trenches trying to get this manuscript on the second book sorted out, but I promise that I'm going to go back and start collecting the, uh, well, people have been sending me metrics of facility operations, what they're seeing. And I want to deep nail this down and maybe throw this to you or uh, someone so you can be circulated to the audience. We need to get the metrics out there. There's another yeah. company that I was at IALPA. We saw our friends at uh, VRX who are developing a driving oh, so VR race system, which is part of a esports component. And then there's CXC, a European company that's been doing a lot of tournament-based racing esports style entertainment you know esports is a generic term that people have used to, uh, to describe a particular kind of uh, competition you know twitch gaming audience watching streaming live but you know we're seeing this being applied in other areas and then away from that we see the normal esports investment because you know don't get greedy you don't have to just have a vr operation in your location-based entertainment you can have vr here you can have an esports tournament table set up like our friends at creative works have been selling into yeah. the market by the way mind trek in boston just added a 12 seat vr their own they did their own they didn't buy the creative works one but they just added 12 seats of esports i don't have any numbers yet from them but i know they're moving into and they have two zero latency arenas and they put in a play VR from Eurogaming, and now they have the eSport sitting this consoles. Yeah, competition. Awesome. What about VR Studios? They had that at yes. the, the four-player lighthouse competitive play, thing. Power Play. Power Play. Something like Power Play. Yeah. So, yes, and yeah. they've been they pushing uh, eSports very heavily. And I have to admit, I played their game. I know you did as well, Bob. That's the closest thing I've seen to competitive laser tag, even though they blew my yeah. ass away. I actually was surprised. I quite enjoyed it. And I think it has a lot of potential. I think it's like it's 150, 100 and something grand at 15%, which feels really expensive for what you're getting, which is like a half a dozen backpacks and a lighthouse 2.0. And but I think the price will come down. The market will dictate, right? Yeah. Or the market will dictate where someone who's got deep pockets is one of the things I'm waiting to see happen is companies like Dave and Buster's and companies like Main Event and uh, Round One who have the deep pockets and do like taking a punt, creating their own kind of emotions, kind of pop up yep. arcade system with the latest Rolls Royce equipment and then rolling yeah. that out. And I think we've seen a little bit of that of what Dave and Buster's did with their four rider simulator that kind of yeah. we've got big bucks and we can now create a standard for ourselves i like big bucks i can't deny Sorry. thank you <laughs> so i think the fundamental issue about adding esports is it's not simple you really do have to work mm. very hard as a manager and an operator and you have to have a really good team and a lot of this stuff 
there's so much money being left on the table with a lot of these new VR arcade yeah. operators because they're so new to this. They forget about takeaway. They forget about the 40% rule regarding private parties. They forget about giving loyalty cards out. If you've got a guy that comes back to your facility, A, you want his friends to come along, and B, you want him to keep on coming back. And why are you giving him a nice piece of plastic with his name <laughs> on it? And that stuff's got to be in the system. That's got to be in the platform. It's got to be automated. And this is the thing yep. that that I think the solution providers need to step up to is either adopt a standard platform that has all this stuff in it, whether it be Springboard or Synthesis or whatever, or build the capability to run the tournaments. Because like you said, the tournaments and the esports stuff, is a lot of man- overhead and management. And I think that's but, what stops people from doing it. Not only the lack of knowing what to do, but then having to actually do it over and over and over again. I had a client who's uh, just gone through a major shakeup. He's sacked a lot of heads. He's trying to get back to, you know, the core idea. And, you know, he did some fundamental things like he hired a team to develop their own unique CRM, customer relations system. So I walked into this. I said, why didn't you just buy that one off the shelf over there? Oh, well, we had to have our own exclusive one. Well, how much encryption have you got into the one that you've just spent all of this millions on? Oh, we haven't put encryption in. Oh, so it's illegal then. So they've been that uh, expense and they've now had to uh, go away and buy a CRM system off the show floor at IALPA. It's that kind of mentality. That blinker gets worse and worse. You know, I'm waiting for someone to say, oh, I'm building a head mounted display because I can't find a good one. You know, you don't get into the weeds. Pick what the target of the audience you're aiming for and get the best products to suit them, their friends, and the people you haven't thought about who are going to be coming into your facility. Awesome. Hey, so I'm putting up a link to um, Kevin's most recent article. There's a new website, LBE News. Immersive, LBE News. And so Kevin's just started writing for them, and he put a big uh, 2019 part one article up there. Share that with everybody, and that's in the chat right now. So click on that and give it a review. I didn't want didn't to duplicate effort and talk about the stuff that we're talking about now that's already yeah. covered in that article, but there's a lot of good shit in that article, so make sure you check that out. What else is, so we've talked a little bit about standards. We've talked a bit about esports. What else is happening there that people should be looking for in 2019? Well, it's the immersive entertainment market I'm fundamentally interested in. And we're looking beyond now virtual reality. We're, we're looking towards mm. the other aspects of the sector. So we're getting involved with some companies that are developing augmented reality systems. So awesome. augmented reality doesn't just have to be headset awesome. systems. We've now got projection based enclosures or caves showing my age there uh, computer automated virtual environments that people can walk into and you know we saw some really good examples uh, at ialpa including our friends from scale one yeah and then that was uh, uh, we all distributed by creative works yep. yeah the, the one thing about the augmented reality and the mixed reality systems is that you don't have to worry about the headset the tethered aspects and also it offers a much higher audience appreciation fundamentally got to understand that most people go to entertainment facilities in groups it's only the stupid people like myself that go on their own to these uh, centers and if these experiences block out the individuals that you're with you can't share the experience we're very social animals and we feed off of each other when we're entertaining and that's why a lot of the theme park industry is very scared about the head-mounted displays that totally blindfold you to the real world uh, we've got some companies out there developing see-through VR HMDs, such as Falcon, who uh, demonstrated there. But go on, please. Look, my problem with the augmented reality stuff is that 
I almost feel like we're in the 90s of VR when it comes to yeah. AR, right? So the field of view, it's like looking through a keyhole, right? And so when is that going to get better? So I see two types of hardware. HoloLens 2, please. I see, head, I see heads-up displays, which are nothing yes. more than notifications that are popping up in a window on glasses, which is just, you know, further driving the addiction to these things. So I see no yeah. entertainment value to those whatsoever. And then there's the stuff like Magic Leap and, and HoloLens, which still have this really narrow field of view. And so, you know, it looks like you're looking through a window, you know, and the field of view to me feels more dramatically bad in AR than it is in VR. Because in VR, when everything else is blocked out, you focus on what you see. And you're not thinking about field of view because you're focused on what you see. In AR, you see a lot more than what the augmented environment is. So it's way more, the narrow field of view is way more noticeable in AR and VR. And to me, just like, I don't get it. I don't see the value from an entertainment standpoint there. And so do you agree with that or disagree enough? Oh, no, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen some examples where that small field of view has been worked around. So if you look at uh, what our friends at MeLeap in Japan have done, or if you look at Battleverse in Canada, they're creating kind of Dragon Ball Z games where you're launching fireballs. And that small field yep. of view is great for seeing your fireball shooting off into the I, distance I, or the opponent's fireball. I agree with you. I think in. the phone-based headsets... Yes. If you get a big enough phone and the right headset design. Right headset. But I yeah. Think, yeah. But that's also, yeah, I think that works. I, I would agree But, but with that, you. that think, is still your 90s analogy. That's still me looking at a yeah, black yeah. and white blocky pixel view of a game when really I want to see lush 3D graphics. Also, well, yeah. fingers crossed, you will be seeing, hopefully, if they're going to show it at CES, you'll be able to see the HoloLens 2 and you'll be able to see how much of a, a night and day comparison that technology Have you is. Done I wouldn't be able to comment if I had. So the issue with this new generation of augmented reality, the reason I'm so down on our friends at Magic Leap was that I was hoping that they were going to be showing the Gen 2 quality of uh, augmented reality display rather than a poor version of the three-year-old Gen 1 augmented reality. You know, elephants in your hand, it's definitely not. And the situation is that you'll be seeing at CES a lot of Gen 2 augmented reality, which could work very well in our sector. I don't believe it's really got a, much of a consumer application. Not everybody at home is really rushing out to buy a, a head-mounted display so they can see uh, that someone's just called them on the phone or that they can print a virtual TV screen in their room. But for us, out-of-home entertainment market, you look at what some of the see-through VR experiences are achieving. They work really well. They are akin to a laser tag with a HUD, with a heads-up display. So again, I think augmented reality and laser tag makes a ton of sense. And that's what I'd be doing if I was still in the laser tag business right now. I'd be, you know, I'd be developing HUD displays for laser tag. And I think that would be really cool. But and I'm assuming yeah. somebody's working on that. Not the only thing I've heard of. Okay, so it's difficult because laser tag works to such short margins on how much people are prepared to pay, yeah. as well as upgrade yeah. their vests. That it's difficult. And you know, Eric, yeah. part of the Laser Tag Association, uh, he, he can go into much more detail on what the market can bear. We're lucky. What we're doing is prepared to spend a lot more to be entertained than the traditional amusement industry or the traditional uh, laser tags sector. Yeah. It's only just now that we're seeing the bowling industry adding uh, projection mapping into their yeah. experiences and big screen yeah. and uh, game interactivity. It's yeah. taken them a long time to embrace what I call gamification. 
industries that have been around for 100 years or whatever yeah. it's been are slow to, are slow to evolve, right? So I want to wrap up. There's a couple of things. So Joe, Juan, Juan just posted a question about Pimax. And I, I just want to address, Albert, that's a great question. I don't know that this is the right form for it. And frankly, I'm not sure there's any answers around the emerging business models. I think 2019, you'll start to see that stuff flesh out. But I think the people that are successful are single site successful. I don't know that anybody, as Steve Duner has said, has rolled out a network of locations and found the formula. It's still a bit hitter. So we're still figuring that out. Um, Juan's asking about Pimax. Yeah. So uh, our friends at Pimax have been a real pain in the proverbial ass over trying to work with they originally had a guy in china who was going to be handling location-based entertainment projects but he disappeared in a puff of smoke pimax has got a whole load of problems that they need to deal with and they're looking at out of home entertainment as just a pain they have a couple of very exclusive relationships with certain individuals so i think we're going to have to wait give them six months before we're going to be able to seriously you know, I've got people that wanted to buy 200 and 300 units of Pimax and, you know, it made them sweat. They couldn't support that. They didn't have any idea of the metrics or the process. The same with our friends at HTC. It's taken them a long time to get a structure in place to be able to support outer home entertainment. And I think we've got a lot more to go through with Pimax in the next, you know, I've been told that the 5KX, the system that they're proposing to give to outer home entertainment, is much better than their 8K system that they're yeah. selling to the consumers. So, again, we've got problems there. And then there's the rumor I'll going around them. about I'll, what. I'll see them at CES, but no, what's oh, the please. rumor? No, well, no, the rumor is that our friends at Valve with uh, their new virtual reality headset, they're going to be in a much better position to ramp up to support an outer home entertainment initiative. So maybe yeah. there could be an alternative to having to depend on wide field of view. And Valve's got to be the wild card in this whole thing, right? Because they fucking oh, yeah. do good shit. And they're the ones Samsung, that create technology Valve. that works. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And Sony. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But I'm, I'm really interested with Valve. The knuckle controllers look really good. Obviously, yep. the Lighthouse works great. I think they don't come out with shit products, right? And so if they're going to come out with a headset, it's going to be amazing. And I think that you can bank on that if they come out with a product. So last words, Kevin. Thank you for arranging this, Bob. Awesome. So I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to thank everybody for engaging in the comments. It was really good. And uh, I, do, I do have to actually, Star VR died, Pimax at last year's CES sucks. That's funny. There's going to be a lot of roadkill in 2019 too. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I think you're going to see consolidation. You're going to see companies go out of business. You're going to see some new companies come in. You're going to see better funded operators come in. You're going to see some business models emerge. I think 2019 is going to be a really fascinating year for location-based VR and immersive entertainment. Yeah, You're right, Bob. It's going to be a confusing and chaotic stance. But the nice thing is, the reason why we're going to see so much confusion and roadkill is because this market becomes real. Yeah, I think so. For those of you that want to share this, I will be sending out a replay. I'll be posting this to my YouTube channel. I'll send links. Feel free to share it. And um, don't forget, Thursday next week, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, I'll be interviewing Charlie Fink live from CES, and then Friday, Holodeck, and then we'll be talking about hybrid tracking systems and mobile-based VR. And then, yeah, we're going to go on from there. We've got a great lineup, and I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you did, drop me an email with a comment about what you liked, what you didn't like, and what you'd like to see in the future, vrbob at bobcooney.com. Kevin? Have a good one, everybody. That's the end of this interview. We hope you really enjoyed it. There's plenty more resources on Bob's website, which is www.bobcooney.com. 
or you can find us on all the usual podcast places. We look forward to seeing you again.